Welcome to the XEGS Cart by Cart podcast, the first and only podcast covering Atari's last answer to the 8-bit gaming system. In episode 8, we take a shot at playing the light gun game Crossbow and say, sure I can, to reviewing the budget game Ninja. Now here are our hosts, Bill, David, Kieran, and Michael. Alright, big news for this episode is David's back. Welcome back, David. So, how about you tell us what you've been up to? Well, glad to be back, guys. Uh, it was really busy the last few months, and as Bob, my co-host, would say on the 5200 podcast, uh, life can get in the way of living. So, lots of family obligations, but happy to be back. I enjoyed listening to the last two episodes since I was gone. Learned from Kieran that I have a title of coach fan, or couch fan, sorry about that. I am a couch fan. Thank you, Kieran. Um, and also I heard some Commodore jabs while I was away. What? Now, to get some cringe into an Atari podcast, remember that at the heart of every Atari 8-bit computer is a Commodore MOS 6502 or variant chip, no! which also includes you Apple people, too. <laughs> and as Commodore bought MOS technology somewhere in 1976, too bad. Okay, so we're working on the next episode of the 5200 Podcast, which will be our part one of the Sports of Palooza Sports Series, covering real sports football and real sports soccer. I just recently, not too long ago, got an ultimate cart from uh, McRory at the Brewing Academy. Nice 3D printed case, and there's a really nice label on it. And also wanted to share with the listeners that there is now its little brother, the Uno Cartridge which uses a micro SD card for storage so you can reprogram it by copying new files onto an SD card from your PC or Mac. But like the Ultimate Cart, the Uno Cart can emulate a wide range of cartridges and it also launches XEX files. However, it's limited to 128K cartridge and XEX files rather than the 1024K limit of the Ultimate Cart, hence the name Ultimate Cart. Most importantly, this means it does not emulate 8-bit Atari Max cartridges, so you'll still need an Ultimate Cart for that. However, it does have a couple of other features not present in the Ultimate Cart. It allows you to do fast search of all directories on the SD card, including partial matches. So, for example, you could search for Dig, and it would find Mr. Dig, or it would find Dig Dug. And it has some limited support for ATR files, including the 16-meg ATR game compilations and some read and write support. So it's about Ooh. 40 pounds cased, 35 pounds uncased, with about 3 pounds shipping. Uh, another thing I just wanted to say, that during my absence, Tempest Elite is out. Uh, it's uh, 49.95 uh, US dollars uh, for a cartridge. It works on your Atari XL XC 64K, uses joystick, paddles, 2600 driving controllers, Yay! and the trackball. Yay! I will, yeah, I'll be picking up uh, this game for sure, as I had Tempest Extreme, and I was very happy, and it was a very well-made game. So go to video61atarisales.com. I also wanted to give a big thanks to Nier Gary for getting uh, the most out of my Ultimate Cart. He even assisted getting a version of the Crossbow Game ROM to play nice with the Ultimate Cart. Okay, and I just wanted to say, um, as you know, I've got the... I got the console, 8-bit console and computer bug, like we a lot of us do. And you never can have enough 8-bit computers lying around. So recently, I picked up the Coleco Atom family computer system. I actually just picked it up the, this morning, and, it, and it's right now in my car. 
uh, taking up the whole entire back seat. <laughs> so just to let you know, uh, we have something here in Canada called Kijiji, which is sort of like a Craigslist version of Craigslist. So I have like, you know, I have multiple systems. So I have a few Atari 800. So I decided to put up one for sale. And uh, then my friend, Glenn Planamento, I was talking with him and I was thinking, hey, well, look, there's this Coleco Adam here on sale for like 162 US dollars complete in box. Uh, he says, oh, that's a that's a fantastic deal. That's a steal. So I decided, OK, well, I'll go pick it up. So I replied to the Coleco Adams owner's advertisement and I say, hi. You know, my name is David. I'm currently selling an Atari 800. I'm interested in your sale. He writes me back and says, I didn't know I was looking to identify somebody selling an Atari 800. Cash only. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. So anyway, (laughs) I drive all the way down there to like the, the other whole part of the city. Scarberia, as we call it. So I get over there. He's already got the huge, this huge box uh, in his driveway. So when I got over there, I don't know, he, he, his face, like I tried to tell him, Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, nice to see you. You know, oh, by the way, I'm into, you know, this, uh, vintage computing. I do a couple of Atari podcasts, hint, hint. So he looks at me like Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I say, all right. Uh, would you be able to, uh, let's get this in the car. So I'm watching this guy carrying this box, getting double, triple hernias. And I'm telling him, are you sure? Do you want me to help you? And he said, no, 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 no. It's just awkward. And it looks like a scene out of Goodfellas, except it's in the daytime. Okay. <laughs> so I got this a, a Coleco Adam in the back of my car. I got it's in garbage bags with a towel over it. Anyway, suffice it to say, <laughs> I'm, I'm the owner of a new, uh, new used one owner Coleco Adam system. And, uh, and you know what? And I not know a corpse. I never hear this podcast. So you need to lighten up, buddy, and be a little bit more mellow and happy when somebody drives uh, 45 minutes to hand you cash in your hand. <laughs> now we're therapists. That's, that's all I've been to. <laughs> the doctor's in. Yeah. Right, Michael. All righty. Well, I got my hands on an XG1 light gun, so I can actually play the games on a real CRT. I actually have a CRT in my garage. I pulled it out and I played, um, yeah, played crossbow on it. Uh, That was pretty fun, actually. Uh, I won't, you know, using the light gun is really fun. I will. I'll tell you how I like the game as we do the review. I uh, got a few things for my birthday. Uh, Jamie uh, Landino's book, uh, Breakout, got that. Not to be and confused there's... with Breakout, the one about Apple IIs. I know. <laughs> <laughs> ah, get them both. <laughs> They're all about retro computers. So, And that uh, there's a review on uh, geek.com uh, that we'll post in the show notes. I also got myself a, I'm going to, I don't know if it's Hacko or Hako. I'm going to say Hacko. Desoldering pump. So I can now start to take all my old systems and recap them. And I got a video board for my Timex Sinclair 100. Well, sorry, 100, 1000. And, um, and that looks great. I had a little problem initially, but the, uh, the guy who made it uh, sent me a new one because the little pot broke off and sent me a new one and I hooked it up and got it all tweaked and it looks beautiful. Now I'm just waiting on some heat sinks because I want to keep that thing, uh, uh, working for a long period of time and the EULA gets a little bit hot. So I just want to do everything right. And then, um, took my oldest daughter down to Salem, Oregon to see the, uh, awesome eclipse. Got a hundred percent totality on that. That was just 
it was breathtaking. <laughs> One of those things to check off the bucket list. And then on the way down there, we stopped in uh, Portland and went to a place called Quarter World and played some video games. And that was really fun. So that's pretty much what's been going on with me. What about you, Bill? Uh, well, I've moved. I uh, I haven't met you yet, but I live like, what, an hour and a half from you, I guess? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And about two hours from Kevin down in Portland and not that far from Sal and uh, Aaron Morris and all these other Atarians that seem to all be up here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, since we moved in, I hooked all my old game systems up to our, our new... Um, as in 2013, <laughs> not that new anymore, uh, LCD TV, um, I discovered something called the Canex Pro Upscaler, which is kind of like the Frame Meister, but it costs like a quarter <laughs> as much. It only cost me 99 bucks. Um, my TV only has a component RF and two HDMI ports, um, and the component can kind of act as a composite if you un- like it can detect when things are plugged in. So if you ever wanted to use it as composite, you actually have to go around the back and unplug uh, I guess it'd be the red and the blue, and just leave the green. Super annoying. Um, and I was using uh, my my old Wii, original Wii, and my uh, PS2 via component, and then a Switch box. But then whenever I wanted to play a classic PlayStation game, I'd have to switch it back to composite because the resolution was so low of something like Wipeout um, that it couldn't actually play on component. <laughs> so I'd have to like go back and forth and switch. So now we got um Wii on the component. And I dropped the PlayStation from that. Um, everything else is going to the upscaler to HDMI. So that's the PlayStation 2, uh, the Dreamcast, or both S-Video, um, and, and, oh, and also the Atari Jaguar. Um, and then I've got an NES, a Genesis, and an 800XL um, all doing composite at the moment. And then my 7800 is hooked up directly to RF, which mostly works. Some games look kind of shoddy on, on modern TVs with the flickery graphics of the 2600 games and uh so i bought mine for 99 bucks uh i think i got it off amazon i didn't remember anymore um and i actually saw kind of recently that walmart had it for 65 so uh hooking up all your old stuff to hdmi is getting cheaper and cheaper which is great because it's getting harder and harder to find tvs that support more than basically hdmi nowadays um so you uh you give it the bill's uh thumbs up on them you should you yeah, recommending every go uh, run and get one? I'm not a video file, but yeah, it doesn't seem to have it doesn't <laughs> seem to have any lag and and uh, the sound works and everything just seems to basically work. So, um, awesome. and then uh, as it was at our old place, uh, my 1200 XL is hooked up on my desk in my home office and on a nice uh, Commodore 1902 monitor because that's why I didn't make good monitors. Um, uh, but unfortunately, also, like at our old place, uh, I don't have enough time to actually mess with it, so it just kind of sits there taunting me. Um, but it's there, and it's ready to power on at any moment. So, Kieran, what about you? Oh, um, first of all, um, you know how I hate to be a know-it-all. Oh, lies! Uh, um, <laughs> I have to correct Michael, because he said what? ULA, and it's called a ULA chip. Oh, I'm in sorry. In the yes. time mix, Sinclair. ULA, uh, Uncommitted Logic Array. You would know better ULA. than I would. <laughs> I bow to your knowledge, and I do appreciate you correcting right. me on that, because a lot of times I'm just reading stuff on forums, and I've never actually say, heard anybody say it. All well, right, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kieran, there's a reason why we have you on this show, right? <laughs> to correct I know, me. I this, this is how I'm going to decide which you guys are my friends or not. Is it GIF or GIF? Just kidding. All right, moving on. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> that, 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 let's not start that argument. Oh, this is going to be a long podcast. <laughs> CompuServe set. Oh, no. So, um, right, where should I start? I've got lots to cover, but I'm, this is not all my news. I'm going to be covering lots of more interesting stuff here. So um, I'm sure all you guys have seen that the uh, this year's ABBUC coding competition is now in full flow. 
there's uh, quite a few nice entries this year. There we have a Superfly XL uh, by Pat Jomke. Bomb Square Jewel by Jan Soren Haas. New Atari game, very originally uh, titled the game there. I think he's going to come up with something better. But at the moment, it's called New Atari Game by Camille Trezaska. That's the uh, that's like the skate- skateboarding one, right? Yeah, like downhill skateboarding or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on Facebook, he, uh, he's been posting videos of, of the progress. So basically started out with like, okay, I got something to scroll. And yeah, it's, it was pretty cool to watch yeah. the, the progress. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one. It looks really good, but he needs to come up with a better name. Uh, the Bounty Hunter by Eric Henneke. Uh, War Room by Rob Schlort. And Citroen 3KG by Matto Um That one's got is particularly interesting because I, I can't remember the name of it now, but there was a guy who suddenly appeared promising this amazing 3D game. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. With all these fancy multicolor graphics and all that. From Australia, And then I it think? never came out. Yeah. yeah, and then it was a load of bull, and it just never came out, and it turned out to be, uh, yeah. And Citroen 3KG is basically that game. The guys made it, that game. If Yeah, Matosimi has done some incredible stuff. Yeah, call, he's so a yeah. great, great homebrew code. He's done some really good stuff. Yeah, I love his games. So I'm really looking forward to that one as well. But you can vote for your favourite as always and download the games for free at um, abbuc.de software contest. Um, I've put the link in the show notes, but um, I don't believe there's actually anything to download yet. But um, there might be by the time this podcast comes out, because I know they do uh, add early versions for people to play and try and get feedback and stuff like that. So yeah, well worth checking out. So another new game on the way to the Atari Bits is an update of an old game called Lord of the Orb. I'd never heard of this, but apparently it was released in 1983 originally. And it's been updated with lots of new levels and pokey music, as well as a number of uh, gameplay tweaks. The game itself is actually a clone of the Konami arcade classic Tutankhamun, and is a highly enjoyable May-style adventure. I gave it a little play um, the other day, and I thought it was quite good. Lastly, on the new games front, there is Cross Chase, which is one man's attempt to have the same game running on just about every 8-bit computer known to man. There are so far 44 different versions of the game, including the Atari 8-bit. And coder Fabrizio Caruso isn't stopping there. He's, he said he's going to get it running on more systems. Um, you can read more about this and all the other games I've mentioned as well in the Homebrew Heroes group on Facebook. There is a page, um, just like a news page, and there's also a group if you want to get a bit more involved and discuss the the technical side of things. Kieran, will that mean that there'll be a version for my brand new Coleco Adam family <laughs> computer? Probably. He's If there isn't already, because he's, I mean, 44 systems. When I read that, I was struggling to think of, of, of even <laughs> half that. So apparently there's 44 different 8-bit computers that it runs on. Is he doing it so, in C or assembly or, or what? Do you know? I, th- I think it's basic. Oh, wow. Okay. Huh. Mm. But I'm not 100% sure. I, I, I would have to go and double check that. But I think the idea was that it was um, he's using some sort of translator to basically get it. It's quite a simple game. Yeah. But I think he was using some sort of translator to, to get it running in just about every you know systems dialect. So, uh, it, it's it's kind of like the robots game, like the Dalek and robots old like text terminal game, I think. Kind yeah, of. what's it called? Yeah. Uh, Robot Finds Kitten, kind of, that kind of <laughs> style of thing. Yeah, that kind of style of thing, yeah. So in YouTube land, I've been busy as always. Um, I am calming down on that a little bit now, though. I um, But I've done uh, lots of new stuff, um, loads more episodes of Chiptune Challenge with plenty of pokey music. Also, I did 
a new episode of um, my Pokey Hero series, looking at the many fine tunes of Richard Munns, which is the one that people kept asking me for, but I kept forgetting to make. So I've done that now. Um, also for Atari fans, although not Atari 8-bit in this case, I've done a series comparing games from the Atari Jaguar against those of its rivals. So I've done like Jaguar versus Amiga CD32, Sega 32X, 3DO, Philips CDI and Sony PlayStation uh, makes for some quite interesting comparisons. I do plan to add uh, Sega Saturn to that list as well. I've also made a one-off video looking at Indiana Jones games right across all the Atari systems. So there's actually a couple of Indiana Jones games for the Atari 8-bit that came from um, Poland, I believe, which are in that video. Uh, one is a, a Kung Fu Master clone, believe it or not. Last but not least, and most appropriate for this podcast, I have a new series called Amazing Atari 8-Bit Art that shows you some of the best pixel art that's been produced for our favourite system, accompanied by some classic pokey music. So as always, there's the link for my channel if you want to go and check it out um, in the show notes. But if you don't know it already, just subscribe now. Subliminal message over. I have also been not just busy making videos for myself, though, um, I've actually started writing scripts for somebody else. Um, you may have heard of him, but he's a, a leading UK media personality called Guru Larry. He was one of the first uh, guys to present, you know, a, a gaming TV show over here on satellite TV. He's very well known on YouTube as well. Um, his real name is Larry Bundy Jr. And uh, he does a very popular series called Fact Hunt. You have to make sure you say that properly. Um, and upcoming episodes are going to feature quite a bit of Atari 8-bit love. I've now done three, four, four episodes of Fact Hunt for him, and there's lots more in the works. But it's going to be quite a lot of um, Atari 8-bit games featuring in upcoming episodes. So if you don't all subscribe to uh, Larry, I suggest you do, because he posts some absolutely cracking stuff. I just want to say, Kieran, uh, if you don't mind, sorry to cut you off, but yeah. I have to do this before I forget. I also, I subscribed recently to Larry Bundy Jr.'s uh, uh, channel, and Excellent. I said thank you so much for the video. Hey, by the way, we do a couple of Atari podcasts. <laughs> and he wrote me back and said, are you spamming? <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, I'll have to it. tell him that. I'll go back I'll to my to corner now. No worries. Okay. Okay, I might get shot for this by the Atari fans, but it is actually Atari a bit related, so please bear with me on this one. But the latest book I've contributed to, this is a, a print publication, is the story of the Commodore Amiga in Pixels by Fusion Retro Books. And I know the Amiga um, is a Commodore machine, but we all know it was designed by the same people who designed the Atari 8-bit and the Atari 2600 before it. So it's a mammoth hardback publication. I mean, it really is huge. Um, and it covers everything Amiga-related from the history, um, which includes the Atari 8-bit and 2600. So there is a bit on that in there. To the games, demo scene, interviews with coders and artists, and lots more besides. I wrote about a third of the book, so a really large chunk. And if you want to take a closer look, I have done a review on YouTube, which you can go and watch. Again, link in the show notes. Also, some of them worked on the links too, right? Yes, they did the links after the Amiga. Yeah, yeah and then yeah. three, and then three DO. Yeah. So, la yes, so last of all, on the subject of books, I've also been continuing my A to Z series, which I've mentioned in um, previous uh, shows. So I've done, I've added lots more to that. So I've added another volume of the look at uh, Atari 2600 games. I've done the ColecoVision, 
I've done Mega Drive, Genesis for you North Americans, Game Boy, Jaguar, and lots more. So I'm 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 been uh, very busy on the books front. I think I've got ten books out now um, through that wow. publisher. Yeah, so ten all digital, but we have had confirmation that they've been popular enough that they are going to go to print at some point as well. So there are going Excellent. to be print versions. Excellent. But I'll update to... you on that in the future. Hmm. I might have to pick up your ColecoVision since the Adam Family computer does play ColecoVision games. <laughs> Good um, stuff. That's me. I'm done. <laughs> okay, Michael Crossbow. Yeah, so the game is Crossbow. Uh, it was published was by Atari, and the year was 1988. Model number is RX8088. The genre is uh, shoot 'em up light gun game, and it was developed by Sculptured Software. And it's one player only. So the uh, back box description is the evil wizard has terrorized the kingdom for centuries and it's time for somebody to stop him. You are the leader of four brave adventurers who must destroy the wizard and restore the kingdom's riches. It's up to you and your trusty crossbow to protect your companions on the treacherous path to the wizard's castle. Set your sights and follow the adventurers through scorching deserts, haunted caverns and steamy jungles. Uh, there are eight dangerous adventures to challenge you. You will be met with, by scorpions and falling stalactites and encounter fireballs and manning plants on your journey. Once you have improved your skills as a guardian, you can add up uh, to four more adventurers, or actually it's adventures. It should be adventurers. They misspelled it. To the team. <laughs> <laughs> Eye on quality. Uh, your brave friends rely upon you for their survival. Uh, choose your route from the crumbling treasure map. Uh, <laughs> once you reach the Forbidden Castle, your skill and courage are truly challenged. Grab your crossbow and let the tale unfold. So you're basically a sniper. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It starts with parchment with curled edges filling the screen. And now all the parchment is the name of the game. The copyright for Atari 1988 and Exidy 1983. Uh, developer was, of course, Sculptured Software and a Menacing Green Dragon. So you start off with the, um, after that, the map screen. The screen shows your adventurer and eight danger zones. Danger zone! Uh, initially, you're only given two paths to take, red or green. You shoot which one you want to take. The path is not known, so you have to pay attention to when you're uh, playing in future games. Or just look up the paths online. I, I found them there. <laughs> I cheated. Uh, when the path is chosen, the dotted line will be drawn to the danger zone. You will be taken to. So to which you will be taken. No, sorry. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> You're an FBI agent. No, sorry. <laughs> so the danger zones and enemies. Uh, the desert. It has uh, snakes with uh, which are worth two thousand points. Rabbits, fifteen hundred points. Vultures, one thousand points. Scorpions, five hundred points. Ants, five hundred points. And you uh, gain a new friend the first time you survive the zone. Then you go to the caverns. You must shoot two hanging stalactites to complete the path uh, for your friends. Uh, watch out for swooping bats, which are worth a thousand points. Ghastly ghosts, a thousand points. Falling stalactites, uh, not the, the ones you shoot, but more, there's others. Five hundred points and hanging stalactites. Uh, they're worth zero points, so uh, you know don't shoot those things. Uh, you gain a new friend uh, the first time you survive this zone as well. There's the volcano level. Uh, shoot the resting rock to make the bridge over the lava. The volcano spews fiery lava, 1,000 points, and burning rocks, 500 points. You gain a new friend, uh, this one as well. And the steamy jungle. Uh, wicked monkeys hurl coconuts. 
Thank Ooh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and two cans. They throw two cans. That's I horrible. Gonna, <laughs> I was going to ask if that was a typo. Like you forgot. Nope. Comma. <laughs> They're two cans. They're throwing birds at you with deadly aim. Uh, with a deadly aim at you. Uh, take out those projectiles for fifteen hundred points, or you can shoot the monkeys for only a thousand points. Uh, voracious plants lie in wait. Uh, prune them back for fifteen hundred points, and you get a new friend, of course, on this level as well. The first time you complete it, the horrors of the night await. Uh, deadly lightning bolts shoot you from the dark skies. Uh, fight bolts versus bolts for uh, two thousand points. A cruel witch throws fireballs from the rooftop, extinguish her magic for 2,000 points, or the witch herself for 1,000 points. Snipe sinister, well, that's hard to say, uh, agents that appear in the window for 1,000 points. Take out wolves that pop up out of nowhere for 1,000 points. At first I looked at it and I'm like, what are those, like cats or something? But yeah, they're wolves. Uh, those ghastly ghosts get resurrected in this stage, bust them for 1,000 points. Uh, the evil master even has control over the streetlights, so extinguish them for 500 points. I guess flashing <laughs> lights is disturbing. <laughs> uh, and you will not gain a friend this uh, in this unfriendly village, fortunately. And the river. The scenery is beautiful, but perils await as your friends cross an old bridge. Feed the hungry alligators an arrow for 2,500 points. This picturesque setting is filled with nature's harmless wonders. Exterminate those frogs, fish, and birds for 2,000 points. This game's kind of losing its cohesion, isn't it? You start yeah. getting cool after a while. Oh, shoot, shoot the lights. Yeah, yeah. What about the frogs? Yeah, yeah, cool. You start getting PTSD and just start unleashing uh, raining death on everything. Uh, scrub those uh, shores of slime monsters for 1,500 points. And bouncing boulders and swooping pterodactyls can be eliminated for 1,000 points. Now, the drawbridge. Uh, this is in front of the castle. Uh, you finally ar- arrived at his castle, uh, the wizard's castle. And uh, you, you're greeted with open arms, those arms being bows held by the archer. Shoot the bowmen and their arrows for a 1,000 points. Our friends the pterodactyl and alligator are back. While our flying friend is now worth an evolved 2,000 points, the boy from the bayou's value has submerged to only 1,500 points. You must shoot the rope holding the drawbridge up to lower it so you can get your friends in the castle. And the castle hall. This is literally a gold inn palace with golden treasure placed right in the middle of the room. But it ain't going to be that easy to get. Obviously, the decorators styled the place with a medieval theme with just a touch of contemporary. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> terrible. With daggers falling from the ceiling. Walls which have faces that appear and arrows that shoot from them. And what is a castle without a fire-breathing dragon? Feng Shui them away for 1,500 points. Even the flickering lights from the torches is worth extinguishing for 500 points. But your eyes should be drawn to the gaudy statue's staff, which opens trapdoor, allowing your friends to access to the next level and 2,000 points. Michael, if, yes. if you can shoot almost everything in this game... Is yes. there any bonuses for shooting yourself? <laughs> well, I guess you could try. I never did point the gun at my head and try, <laughs> try to see if I got any points for that. Uh, aside from macrocephaly, he also suffers from heterochromia. Shoot the whites of his eyes for 1,000 points or the reds for 5,000. But be careful. His laser focus on your friends are actually lasers. If you're lucky enough to get all of the friends past the evil master, you earn... 250,000 bonus points, and you get to start the process all over again. 
Evil Master Eye. Uh, the bonus item appears once at every screen. Poke out the eye for 5,000 points. Okay, so, the, so what's the legacy? This was a PG-13 game. Yes. <laughs> hey, in the arcades, there was no PG-13. <laughs> they, Finish uh, him. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what's the legacy on the game? Well, the original version was released in the arcades in 1983 by XD. It was their first 440 system game. Other 440 system games included Cheyenne, Combat, Chiller. I remember Chiller being uh, so gruesome that actually some places banned it. Clay Pigeon, Crack Shot, Top Secret, Hit and Miss, Showdown, and Who Done It. So these are all shooters along the lines yep. of crossbow. Okay, yep, got they're it. all light gun games. Uh, yeah, I never saw a single one of these in the arcade. Really? Yeah. No. Oh, wow. I think I remember Combat and obviously Chiller, but the other ones not so familiar to me. Maybe Cheyenne. I think yeah, Cheyenne. All around the time I spent in the you know around the arcade. So it was the first arcade game with fully digitized sound and speech. So oh, not this again. What's that? Uh, Didn't we have this argument last time? <laughs> oh yeah. About Bostonian. Mm. Yeah, right. yeah, and, right. and that was okay. So, well, there's also Star Wars too, which came out in '83. '83. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could not figure out when this game came out, and there's actually two versions of it. Um, Crossbow so, is, is, from what I understand, Crossbow is credited as the first. Okay. Okay. So alert. Uh, alert. <laughs> yeah. What's funny, there was also um, the game Journey, if you guys have ever played that. It actually had a tape in it that would loop the music yeah. and effects, which is very novel. So uh, it's an optical light gun game, um, which, uh, which is mounted to the cabinet. It was in the form of a crossbow. It was up to two players, uh, unlike this game, and you would just basically alternate your turns. The hardware main CPU was M6809 at 1.6 megahertz. Uh, the sound chip was M6809 as well with at 811.2 kilohertz. Uh, the sound chip was custom at 50.7 kilohertz, and the video was 320 by 240 with 256 colors. It was also released on the Atari 2600 with using a joystick, Atari 7800, uh, in 1988 using light gun, the Commodore 64 in 1988 by Absolute Entertainment using a joystick, PC DOS using a mouse, and iPhone in 2010. Uh, where can you get this game? Well, I took a look and Best Electronics doesn't have it. BNC Computer Visions has it for 29.95 US dollar uh, in box. Um, new inbox, I should say. Uh, eBay did not find it, but there was an auction back in May 10th, 2017, which sold for $25.99 uh, US dollar uh, new inbox. And we'll post some uh, other reviews. Uh, we got the 7800 uh, Game by Game podcast, episode 17, which talks about it. We'll have a link in our show notes. So it's time to review the game, and we'll start with our bestest back buddy, David. Okay, Crossbow. I was delightfully surprised by this game as I'm not a big fan of light gun games. Would have been a much better pack-in game to show off the capabilities of the light gun and the system to compete with the NES Duck Hunt. We'll definitely pick up a cart copy for a fair price if it should come my way in the wild. Okay, what do I give? Graphics, 9 out of 10. Very nice character and enemy graphics and design. Good use of color, nice backgrounds, lots of enemy variety, air and land-based enemies, wolves, bats, monkeys unwelcoming townspeople, heck, even stalactites and volcanoes. This game has it all. And by the way, I just had to update cats to wolves. I thought those were cats. Okay, so sound and music. I gave it a 7 out of 10. There's actually no music, but a decent variety of sounds made by the enemies as they move and get shot. Uh, would have liked at least a few voice clips from the arcade game, 
but I'm sure that would have been costly at that time. Also, the arcade game has some uh, music in the jungle scene. Gameplay, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Great pseudo-choice, your own adventure-style gameplay. It has alternative paths. Holding the button also causes auto-fire, and thankfully, you are not rated on your shot accuracy. Lots of enemy types and critters to shoot at while you protect and escort your NPC characters as they walk leisurely across the screen. The game gets harder as you get more NPCs to protect and more <laughs> enemies to protect them from. It can get pretty frantic. Presentation, I'm giving it an 8 of 10. The opening screen looks great. The map, choose your own path. Too bad the game had no intro tune. The end game screen with the closing scroll indicating your scroll is a nice touch. Uh, the box is your typical XCGS box. The manual has good description, but would have really popped with some color. Overall, this gets an 8 out of 10. Protect your friends. Recover the treasure. A great representation of the arcade game on an 8-bit platform when you consider the capabilities of the XCGS. Okay, well, I gave it a, a 7 out of 10 for graphics. I think they represented the arcade game pretty well. Uh, they used lots of dithering, which is good, but I didn't see a lot of horizontal blanks. Uh, I think several screens could have uh, took advantage of this and made it a little more colorful. Uh, the emulator screenshots I saw did seem to look better than how it looked on my CRT. Of course, my uh, XE is not uh, modded for video, so maybe if I do that, it'll look a little bit better. Uh, sound and, and music, I gave it a 5 out of 10. If you're familiar with the arcade's digital voice, then you're going to be really disappointed. The arcade sound made it feel like you were playing a shooting gallery game. Um, and unfortunately, the sounds that are provided aren't re- really that imaginative, and um, and they are shared amongst the screens. So, you know, it's like you're not getting new sounds at different screens. So it's probably because of the fact that the cartridge was, you know, has limited space. Um, also no music, as David said. As uh, far as gameplay, I gave it a 7 out of 10. Uh, one of the worst things in gaming is an escort mission, which is exactly what this is. And they slowly walk across the screen like they aren't things trying to kill them. I much prefer something uh, like when you're, sh- when they're shooting at me, you know, so maybe throw something at me and then I knock those out of the sky. I just felt like I was just protecting the whole entire time. But that being said, uh, the game does offer tension and there are a lot of things uh, to shoot at, including items that open up the paths uh, for pixelated perilous pals. Uh, given that the uh, player has a path to choose from, that makes it a little bit difficult to solve. You don't know what it is. That's kind of unique. And unfortunately, it seems like the paths are fixed. I didn't seem like it, uh, after you completed it, it changed. So if they would have made the gate pass a little more random, that would have been more fun. Uh, I found that the light gun was very accurate. I also uh, happened upon a analog article, issue number 75, August 89, that discuss, discusses how the light gun actually works and mentions a horizontal deviation uh, that the gun suffers from. But I didn't notice any of this. And, um, of course, there's a program in there to test your light gun. So if anybody wants to do that, I was going to do it but ran out of time. So maybe in the future episodes I'll do that. Uh, as far as presentation, 6 out of 10, the front of the box art is from the arcade cabinet, uh, something I'm not particularly impressed by. And the back is pretty much what you get from XE Games, uh, some text with screenshots. I do like the title screen, which is original and, in my opinion, better than actually the one that appears in the arcades. Um, my final, I give it a 7 out of 10, although 
Uh, my total is 6.25. With how few light games uh, there are for the XEGS, I think that this gives uh, the final score a little boost and makes having uh, this for a person's collection a must. Uh, the most challenging part of the game was trying to figure out uh, the path to evil, evil Wizard. That is not where I think the game's challenge should be. But I don't see this having too much uh, replay value due to the lack of real challenge and uh, the repetitiveness. So, Anyway, what about you, Bill? All right, so um, I never saw this game in the arcade as a kid. Uh, I've probably seen it more recently at the modern arcade classic gaming shows like uh, California Extreme, um, but it's never really been in my radar. Um, turns out I have the 7800 version, <laughs> and I tried it. I tried it a few times, but I don't have a light gun, so it's it's amazingly hard. And then nowadays my my 7800 hooked up to a big LCD, so I'm basically out of luck for that system. Um, this was my first time trying it on the XGS. Uh, was for this episode's review. Um, so again, with that light gun, I ended up using Atari 800 on Linux, and I had to go full screen for the mouse to, to work uh, across the entire screen as a light gun. Um, it's really difficult to aim since the mouse pointer gets hidden when you're doing this, so there's absolutely no indication as to where I'm actually shooting. But since uh, ammunition, ammunition is unlimited, I just like shoot a lot and adjust my aim. <laughs> just... um, <laughs> that that did start some repetitive stress. Um, Michael, I think Michael or David, one of you guys said that it has uh, auto fire. I, I I didn't notice that at least in the emulator. Like I couldn't just hold down the the mouse button to to shoot repeatedly. So I really had to go click 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 click, and it was really killing my wrists to play this game. I'm guessing that was probably on the emulators. Uh, I watched a couple people play online, and it just seemed like that it was uh, auto fire. But hmm. yeah, okay. Um. Anyway, so, uh, ratings, uh, graphics, I gave it a 9 out of 10. Um, the arcade game itself looks strange to me. It's, it's a very high resolution game, but it has a lot of big solid colors. Um, and not very many games looked like that from my, what I remember as a kid. Like, Elevator Action is probably the only one I can remember off the top of my head that looked like just a lot of big solid colors and colorful. Um, but kind of very simplistic art style. That said, though, the Atari port seems to be doing a really good job at recreating the arcade art, um, and it actually looks more accurate to me than the 7800's port. Like, the, the sprites seem to be more accurately sized in comparison to the rest of the screen. Um, so, considering the detail, or at least the non-repetition of the scenery, and the number of um, and animation, sorry, and the number and animation frames of all the different creatures, it's, it's no surprise that this cart weighs in at 128K. And I was just looking, and there's, it's basically the all 128k is used like it's full um wow. so so that's why we don't have you know digitized audio and all that other good stuff yeah. they, they ran out of room um so sound of music uh all right al- although the sounds in, in the uh in this port aren't digitized which is obviously something we know the atari definitely can do given enough time and memory um i actually found the the synth pokey sounds a lot less annoying than the arcade uh, sounds. I, I watched some YouTube videos, and it was it was pretty irritating to hear the the ghosts <laughs> over and over and over again. Um, so, so I you know I give it some bonus points for actually having non irritating sound effects. <laughs> you know what, Bill? You do that so good. They should digitize your voice and put it in the game. <laughs> All right. So um, you really have a lot of talents, man. <laughs> All right, so um, rather than give this game a poor rating based on my wrist-breaking attempt at playing it with the mouse, um, since I'm not equipped with a light gun, I'm, I'm basically going to have to abstain. I, I don't really know how fun this game is to play at, as intended. Um, uh, but out of uh, for presentation, uh, I give it 8 out of 10. Uh, I agree, it's got a great-looking title screen and a, a good and thorough manual. And Kieran, what about you? 
Yeah, well, I've I've got some quite um, good memories of this game. I actually, the first time I actually played it was on the 2600. Um, when I got my 2600 Junior for Christmas, um, I got two, apart from the packing, which was Centipede, the two games that I got with it were Defender 2 and Crossbow. So that was the first time I actually played the game. Um, I really liked the 2600 version. I thought it was excellent. And then it must have only been about a year or so later, probably, I was actually on holiday and um, I saw the arcade machine um, hidden in the corner of an arcade with a massive metal crossbow on the top and stuff like that. And I was mega pleased to see the uh, the, the real arcade machine. And, and uh, yeah, it, it took a lot of my money um, that week I was on holiday. It, it was really, really good fun. And um, so when I later on discovered that there were superior versions for the 7800 and Zegs, I was pretty pleased. So ratings out of 10. Uh, graphics, first of all, um, I went with a 9 out of 10. Um, visually, XE Crossbow is excellent. and actually manages to be better than the 7800 version in this department, uh, as others have already said. I think it also think it stays remarkably close to the original arcade game, despite the huge differences in resolution. And I think the sprites are really well done as well. So sound and music. I was honestly very disappointed with the audio here. It barely sounds any better than the 2600 and 7800 versions. And I felt it had some really weedy and strange sounding effects. I think they could have done a lot better with the pokey chip. Uh, there's also no music on the top screen of any kind, um, which is a big, big disappointment to me. So I've only actually given it a 3 out of 10 for sound. Um, I expect a bit better with the uh, the A8. Um, gameplay. Uh, now we're talking because uh, Crossbow is quite unlike any other arcade game out there, because the focus in this game is on, I've always found, is on preservation rather than actually killing in many regards. So thanks to the use of the XG1 light gun, this version of Crossbow remains incredibly authentic in the gameplay department when compared to the arcade game, and it's a great deal of fun to play. In fact, I'd actually say it is my favourite XC light gun game out there. So I gave it a 9 out of 10 in the gameplay department, and just as a side, I also didn't have any problems with the accuracy of my my XC gun when used on a CRT either. I found it was it was it was fine. Once you get, I do I do find you have to get the right um, length away from the screen though. If if you know you have to kind of find a, a, a sweet spot of where you can sit to get the the best accuracy. That's the only thing I will say. So presentation, uh, nice title screen, lovely box art. Uh, so no complaints there, really. Um, 8 out of 10. And overall, I went with 8 out of 10. It's a solid and very enjoyable game, um, as long as you have a gun and a CRT to play it. So I think that's the important thing. Unlike the 7800 version, which I, I remember you can use with a joypad, you can't with the XE version. You can only use the gun. Cool. So. Well, we got some a uh, couple of external reviews. Atari Mania has uh, rated at 6.9 out of 10 with 16 votes. And then there's a uh, on YouTube, there's a review called Atari Bit versus uh, Arcade uh, Part 8. And we'll post that in the show notes. So our budget game um, on this episode is Ninja by Mastertronic. It was released in 1986. Model number is USAT 0116 UK tape an ICD-0116 US disc. It's a uh, beat-em-up. It was developed by Sculpture Software, so we've actually got a, 
a bit of a theme in this episode because both games were developed by Sculpture Software. Um, the programming was done by Steve Coleman, who also developed Rainbow Walker and Pharaoh's Curse Synapse software for both the Atari and the 64. And the music on Ninja was done by the legendary Rob Hubbard. So that's already a highlight before we even got started. Description from the back of the box for the Atari and C64 disc versions. I believe there's actually a version of the game where it's on disc and it's got Atari on one side and C64 on the other. I seem to remember. But uh, Ninja, the most fearsome warrior in history, now faces the ultimate test in the Palace of Death. He must prove his worth to the Princess of the Orient by recovering her priceless idols from the grip of the evil one. And I think a fourth grader wrote this description. (laughs) (laughs) Now you must die! Oh, wow, the compelling... No, all right, I'm sorry. (laughs) I think think the key word here, budget. (laughs) (laughs) Budget storyline. No, it's... I mean, how many games didn't even have a storyline? You're just plopped and beat crap up. Oh, okay, sure. Why not? (laughs) Do it now. Come on, Bill. That's like the plot line of almost all the movies made since the 80s. I know, right? They couldn't even (laughs) give Ninja or the Princess a name, though. I mean, oh, well. (laughs) Bob the Ninja. (laughs) So the legacy of the game, it was also released for the Commodore 64 and the ZX Spectrum in 1986. That's where I first played it. Um, as well as the Amstrad CPC and MS-DOS a year later in 1987. There was also Atari ST and Amiga versions, which were actually retitled to Ninja Mission, presumably to make them sound uh, less generic. And uh, in 1987, it came out in the arcades via Mastertronic's own Arcadia system, which was an Amiga-based arcade platform, where it benefited from multiple fire buttons. Where to buy? BNC Computer Visions have the disc version for $19.95. Atari 64 discs for about $50. Wow. On both Amazon and eBay. Um, the tape version is amazingly easy to pick up in on the eBay UK, by the way. You could probably get it for a few pounds. Very, very easy to find. Um, no other ports or reviews. But uh, you can download it from Atari Mania. Um, so it's the, both the tape and the disc versions. So that's a good place uh, t- to find it if you do want to uh, give it a try. But, uh, David, what do you think? Wow, this game is tough, especially in the later areas when you compete against multiple opponents. My button-mashing skills were not up to the task. Not only am I not fit to be a virtual ninja, I would be lucky if, after much practice, to make the rank of Saki Boy, which I think the North American equivalent would be Water Boy. However... I give the graphics an 8 out of 10, nice variety and detail of the characters and background designs, fluid movement. I like the pseudo 3D look of the enemies as they lie down on the ground with their feet basically straight up. Uh, Sound and music, uh, I give it a 7 out of 10, catchy generic martial arts music. Uh, Rest of the sounds are standard. I prefer uh, the sounds in the C64 version, but the graphics Mm. of the Atari version. Quiet gameplay. I give it an 8 out of 10. There's a variety of enemies to fight. Uh, great idea of choosing what direction you go uh, in the versus static screens. I also like the idea of weapons and being able to pick them off the ground and to pick them up once again after you've used them. Presentation, 6 out of 10. I give this a little bit less as there's no intro screen to choose uh, to start the game. 
as I had not read the manual, I was just sitting there waiting for some thug to show up. Just by accident, I went too far to one side of the screen and came to another screen with my first enemy to fight. When you lose a fight, the game just stops. It isn't until you try to move that the game resets and you're back in familiar surroundings. Overall, I'm going to give it a 7.25 out of 10, but I must say of all the budget games we've done so far, this is the, I would say, one of the most unbudgety budget games. So it's, <laughs> it's really a good game. I enjoyed it. All right. So, uh, far, so far, this is the, the only budget game I've ever played, uh, from my past. And I played it tons because it was fast paced and had ninjas, which are the eighties martial arts staple. Uh, you mentioned Steve Coleman did Rainbow Walker and Pharaoh's Curse. I love Pharaoh's Curse. He, and he also did a uh, Raid Over Moscow, another game I had played oh. before. Mm. Um, as far as graphics go, I give it a 8 out of 10. It's smooth movement of characters and good design. It takes advantage of the Atari's capabilities and has nice level design. For sound and music, I give it a 6 out of 10, although there are only two songs. Uh, they are appropriate and catchy. In fact, I even caught myself kind of humming along with the song when I wasn't even playing the game this morning. And so far, I haven't gotten tired of it as well. Um, but they're only... Uh, one contact sound and no walk sound and no move up and down sound, which when you move up and down the levels, I would like to see like a whoosh or maybe, a, you know, different sounds to kind of uh, bring the, the experience to you a little bit better. But um, as far as game play, I give it an 8 out of 10. I think this is very fun to play and also very challenging. Uh, the gameplay is varied by allowing uh, many different ways to attack, including two different throwing weapons, three different non-playable characters of differing abilities. I'd say some of the cons are navigation could be improved, although moving up uh, a level requires the player to position themselves under the roof hole, that's what I'd call it, and then press up on the joystick. Going down just requires the player to stop over the hole and... Um, and hold on the floor, and I fall through all the time, which means I have to go back again, and of course the levels now change. Yeah, did, did you notice that uh, if, if you switch levels, guys come back to life too, which is... Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I know, and it's hard It's hard enough to get through without having extra. Um, also, uh, also, the close combat seems a little bit haphazard. Um, precision movement is limited, and some blows, such as with the sword, end in an instant death, but not always. So, like, I can go up against a ninja, full health, boom, I'm dead. And other times, whack, 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 I've got a couple shots on him both ways, and, you know, both uh, both guys will attack one another and might not die the first time. So, um, And another con would be is a limited replay value. Uh, if you beat it, you're done. And uh, no improved AI on different levels. So if you had actually uh, gone to a new level and played again, it'd be smarter. That'd be nice. Uh, presentation, I give it a six. No intro screen. The C64 has one. So mm. um, kind of disappointed there. Uh, I like the screen descriptions. Those are nice. But I think they could have been a little bit more interesting instead of just the te plain text on the screen. Uh, what, what instructions I see on the box scans don't really seem that informative, so figure it out. Uh, there are more instructions available. If somebody knows where they are, please post them. I couldn't find them. Uh, box art is good, but the main image is lifted off, uh, listed from Sho, I don't pronounce his name. We pronounce it Sho Kasugi. Um, cover appearance on uh, the October 1986 Kung Fu magazine. They just put a ninja garb on him. He was just his, uh, his face on the cover, but the uh, the same weapons in the same position is exactly the same. Of course, if you guys know the name show, uh, 
he was the 1980s ninja. I mean, any ninja movie you saw, he was the guy. Oh, yeah. So uh, no uh, no big surprise there, but no points for uh, lack of originality or taking somebody else's work. Uh, that being said, the cover art is pretty badass and, um, and worth a place on the uh, retro gaming wall. So, so my final, I give it an 8 um, out of 10. If you like Karatika, I think you're going to love this game, and it's a must-have for your collection. It doesn't do you rotoscope like Karatika, so it doesn't look as realistic, but it's way faster, and so that makes the game much more challenging. And... Um, yeah, its extended playability is limited, but I think uh, with it, how fun it is and how challenging, you'll be playing it for some time. I got so close. In fact, I got all seven idols, and I was one screen away screen away from wow. winning, and I got killed by a freaking ninja. I was like, no! <laughs> and I, you know, mentally I threw my controller across the room, so... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, what about you, Bill? All right. Um, so I had to think back from when I played it a while back. I, I obviously, or, uh, unfortunately, forgot to fill out the notes at the time. Um, I was on a different computer, so I don't actually have my score, my high score that I got. Um, but so anyway, graphics uh, seven out of ten. It's got good animation, as we've mentioned. Um, nice use of dis- use of display list interrupts, also known as horizontal blanks, um, for added color at certain levels. Um, it does make me wonder. I should probably go look at some more videos. Um, I wonder how that rainbow room looks on other 8-bits. Because on the Atari, it's it's you know Atari colorful. It's just tons of colors. And I'm trying it's to no it is. Yeah, good. I'm trying to imagine like what would this look like on an Amstrad? Maybe like red, green, and blue or something. <laughs> um, sound of music, uh, eight out of ten. It's got really good music. And I also like how um it kind of turns to more like background sounds with some almost kind of random sounding like uh procedurally generated maybe music in the background uh when you're on a screen with live enemies so um it's got the big exciting you're in a rush get through the room music uh when there's nothing to do but then when you're in for a fight it it Mm. kind of becomes more serious um i remember being really impressed with uh twisted metal the original twisted metal on the playstation it had the music would change um Kind of the feel, depending on how close you were to enemies. You could actually tell, like, if you're going to, you know, turn around a corner and there's an enemy based on just listening to the music. Um, so I, I always appreciate those little touches. Um, gameplay, I give this one 7 out of 10. It's very hard, but I was actually compelled. Uh, I went back at it a bunch. Um, I didn't get beyond about the third level, and I think I got somewhere around 5,000, 5,500 points. I think I got as many as five idols. Um, they seem to be really randomly strewn, so it's it's complete luck. It's not it's not a game that you can play over and over again, and it's always the same thing. Which is you know, there's a pro and a con. There's you know, you might have a really lucky turn at it, or you might have, you know, like oh my god, there, I can't I can't get past the first two screens uh, play. Um, I appreciate that the enemies remain dead, as, as I mentioned, um, at least until you change vertical levels in the palace. Um, so, so once you kill one guy, you can either loop around or go the other way. Um, I, I tried to, I tried to map my way out. Like if, if I see, if I'm started on the first screen and I move to the right and there's a bad guy, one bad guy and an idol, you get your health back when you pick up the idol. So I think, mm, maybe I'll go to the other direction. <laughs> And and if I need that idol, I know where it is, and I can go back and get it. Um, and then obviously sweep through the entire level to get all the idols, and then move up one. But I'll, I'll kind of you know try to try to be a little more strategic about how what what direction I go to based on what's there that time I played. Um, I found that sometimes I could get a kill in one whack, just you know one upper kick or one sword hit, which you know, both of which are a little bit difficult to do with just a joystick and a fire button. But if you know I could just walk up to a guy and just wham, and he's dead. Um, but conversely. Uh, the enemies can do that to you as well, and when that happens, it's game over. So I just walk up and just, oh, uh, okay, I guess I'll start over again now. 
Um, so that's where it's really hard. You just can never tell if, if you know, somebody's going to do the touch of death on your chest or whatever. Um, uh, so pro tip, um, there's the, the, what are they, the shurikens and what's the other weapon? Throwing knives, um, I think. Throwing knives, yeah. Um, and, you know, you can, th- you can throw them and they'll hit a guy and they'll land on the ground. And then one of the other guys can pick them up. What I found is if you leave the screen and then you come back, they're kind of randomly strewn around the room again. So you might get a chance to pick them up before the other guy can get it. And then, oh, I got yeah. my throwing star again. And um, so, so I, I, I had a lot of gameplay where I just kind of like left and right, left and right, left and right. Okay. Now I can go in and, and, and get the guy. Now's my chance. Um, so, uh, presentation wise, I give it five out of 10. Uh, I agree with actually both Michael's and David's complaints. So I won't repeat them here. Um, Overall, seven out of ten. Obviously, it's not no Tekken, which is one of my favorite fight games, fight series. But uh, it's you know pretty good for uh, for the little Atari 8-bit, and I'm surprised I never played it before now. So thanks, Karen. What do you think? Well, I kind of mentioned it already, but my original experience is with the ZX Spectrum version of the game, um, which I really enjoyed. Um, I was a huge fan of uh, beat 'em ups in general. Still am actually. So back then, um, if I ever saw any beat-em-up game, I would almost instantly buy it because of that. So when I discovered the Atari 8-bit version, I was pretty excited, uh, especially when I discovered how much better it was than the uh, version I grew up with. So ratings, uh, graphics, very colourful and nicely animated. I love the look of the game, and the Atari port looks far better than this other 8-bit Brethren, as I kind of already mentioned, like you said about the Rainbow Room and stuff. Um if you have a look, there is actually a video on YouTube somewhere, I think, that compares them, and the Atari bit version is by far the nicest. It's it's, it's really gorgeous, I think. Uh, so I give it a 9 out of 10 there. Uh, sound and music, Rob Hubbard. That's pretty much all you need to say. Seriously, any game with music by Rob deserves a high score yep, automatically. Totally. Um, so the tunes, I think, in Ninja are so well done. They really set the scene perfectly. Like, you've already touched on it, um, guys, you know, with the kind of thing where the tunes come in, go out, change pace. I think it, it's it's so well done. I mean, the the guys who made it obviously watch a lot of kung fu movies because that was something you kind of see in those those movies back then as well. So I gave it a nine out of ten for sound and music. Uh, gameplay hugely enjoyable, um, if a little repetitive. My only minor complaint is that it's not that hard to finish. Um, once you <laughs> once you once oh, I should add to that. Once you, once you know Sorry. the game. Once you know the game, it's not that hard to finish. Yeah. You know, I, 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 you gotta remember, I played this game a ton when it, when it came out back in the day. I'm probably, you know, obviously more familiar with it than, than any of you. And, uh, I've always been good at beat ups as well. So I think that helps. Um, you know, the, the, the Atari bit has very few games of this type. So I think it wins points back, um, for being one of the only beat up games available for the system. I was actually struggling to think of any others as I was, um, Writing that, uh, I was, you know, because you don't have Kung Fu Master even on the, the Atari a bit. I can't believe no one's homebrewed that. Really can't. Yeah. It seems a game that would be ideally suited to, to, to the Atari a bit, given the 7800 and 2600 have it. So why does the, um, what does the Atari a bit not have it? Yeah. There I, we go. Yeah. Uh, beat em ups and, and shoot em ups, like the, the horizontal scrolling, that style. Those are two that I really ache for on the Atari. We're finally starting to get the ladder. We've we got like yeah, I, I can think of some horizontally scrolling shoots. Yeah, like, like Zybex, Extrapator, uh, yeah, Zybex, yeah, Callisto. I can think of a few, but but beat 'em ups. I was really struggling to think of any. 
But that Indiana Jones game I mentioned earlier, that's, that's a rip-off of Kung Fu Master, but it's pretty horrible. <laughs> so that was the only other one I could actually think of. I couldn't think of any other any other scrolling beat-em-ups at all. Um, there must be some. I'm gonna, I might have to research that now. But yeah, um, presentation, there's no title screen to speak of, as we already said, um, just like the text. It's really lame. Um, but the box art is awesome. It reminded me of the cheesy covers you used to find on the 80s Kung Fu VHS movies. You know, um, really reminded me of that. I think that's the style they were going for, the authenticity. Now I know that the the art was actually ripped off from somewhere else. That makes even more sense, which I didn't know until today. So <laughs> kudos there. Um, so I gave it a, a five out of ten for, for presentation. But overall, I think it's the best beat em up available for the Atari bit. As I said, I struggle to think of any others. So it almost wins by default. But for that reason, it gets an extremely solid um, eight out of ten. That's, so that, that's Karen, from you say- me. You say the familiarity. So I, I didn't remember this game until you brought it to our attention. And then it was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, this is a thing from my past. I remember times that my friends would come over. I played this thing so much. I got bored with it because I got so good. Yeah. And my friends would play it. But I remember the exact same trick that doing the bill did was, you know, go each go yeah. to each screen, get the weapons. So I played it tons. It's just been how many yeah. years has it been? Thirty four years since uh, I played this. So, yeah, it's it's been a while. But, yeah, definitely uh, was very familiar with this game. So. Yeah, yeah. So external reviews. Uh, Video Game Critic, he gave it a C, um, but the reader vote gave it a B minus. So it got slightly upgraded from 11 votes from readers, um, averaging a B minus. Retro Game Reviews gave it 9 out of 10 in 2014. In Atari Gamer Magazine, I myself gave it an 8 out of 10. That was back in 2013. So I've stayed with the same score. (laughs) Computer Gamer Magazine in October 1986. Gave the Atari version a solid 12 out of 20. Happy Computer Magazine gave it 60 out of 100. Not so good in 1986. And it was covered in Atari 8-Bit vs. Arcade Part 11, one of my, my videos again. So um, that's, that's, that's it really for, um, uh, for Ninja. In our next episode, we conjure up a magical review while battling evil in Necromancer. And we strap on jetpacks and blast off to rescue human souls trapped by alien forces in the budget game Excelsior. You can find our latest episodes, news, and information on our website, www.xegs8bit.com. We also have links on there so you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We'd like to thank Compute Her for giving us permission to use her song software as our show's theme song. You can visit Compute Her at computeher.com. That's computeher.com for more information. Also, thanks to the folks who contribute to and maintain the Atari Mania database, Wikipedia, and other fine results of Google searching. We are part of the Throwback Network, a group of podcasters with one thing in common. We all love old things. Whether it's old video games, old movies, old toys, or simply old stories, the Throwback Network is the place to find them all. Visit throwbacknetwork.net to learn more. We are also part of the Retro Junkies Network, a network of like-minded retro enthusiasts who like to keep things clean and family-friendly. Our content ranges from retro gaming, retro movies, retro TV shows, retro music, and basically anything retro that is worth remembering. Find us at theretrojunkies.com. All right, uh, big news. news. Big news. <laughs> Out of the game. The Evil Master. Your final battle is with the Evil Master, or really just a giant head. Aside from... Uh, Macrio, oh geez, I wrote this down. Macrio, ma, ma, let me Macrocephal- try Macrocephaly. Cephaly. Thank you. Aside from Macrocephaly.
aside from macrocephaly, cephaly, aside from macrocephaly, he also suffers from heterochrome. <laughs> Why did I do this to myself? <laughs> <laughs> it sounded good at the time. So it's time to review the game, and we'll start with our new bestest back buddy, David. Is he dead? David. David, David we can't hear you. He went to the bathroom. I put him to sleep. <laughs> with your bad puns. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. I was on mute. You didn't hear me. Nope, not at all. <laughs> oh, you did it? Oh, you did? No, did not hear you. I thought that was your oh. review of the game. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I was talking, and I was wondering, how come nobody's giving me any feedback? <laughs>